Thanks for downloading this podcast from Brum Radio. For more programs, search our podcast page at brumradio.com. And welcome to the Brum Radio Book Show, your monthly look at all things uh, bookish and Birminghamish, and, but not just Birmingham. We look at books from all around the world, and um, it's here with me. Uh, so I'm Mike Gale, uh, and I'm one of the co-hosts on the show. We've also got in the studio. We've got <laughs> uh, Catherine O'Flynn. Hello. Catherine O'Flynn, who we just woken up out of a cupboard. Yeah. Um, we'll be finding out a little bit what Catherine's been up to, uh, and we've also got. Blake Woodham, um, who is the mastermind who brings this whole show together. Uh, please don't a press, just... a press record and play <laughs> <laughs> on Catherine. Um, so we've got a bit of a different show. Uh, the, the show's taken on a bit of a different format. Uh, um, we're still going to be talking about all things bookish, but um, this can be a bit more relaxed and casual, and a bit more book chat, a bit more sleepy. Yes, that, that's it. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so please remember that you're absolutely welcome to join us. Uh, please join us on Twitter and interact with us at at Brumradio underscore books, or you can email us at bookclub at brumradio.com. Um, bizarrely, we've also got a chat room now. Mm. Um, as Blake was saying, it looks like we've been transported back to the ni- early 1990s. So if you want to join a, 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 a chat room about uh Books and, Meet and boyfriend or girlfriend. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, then please, uh, no then, personal please details. Do that. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. So to get onto that, just uh, if you are interested in that feature, um, if you are watching, listening to us on your computer, next to the listen now button on the Brum Radio homepage, there is a chat room or chat now feature. You don't have to even put your yeah. email address and details in. You can just. And we won't be in the chat rooms, but you know you could go in there, and there might be other people in there. I'm not right. making any promises. Um, but uh, so in this. Uh, this month's uh, show, we are going to be talking Brexit novels. Uh, Catherine is going to be reviewing uh, a really interesting debut called A Place for Us. Um, she's also going to give us a, a bit of a library essay. It's sort of an essay about libraries, not a library essay. That's a different thing. It takes me back to my childhood back in Birmingham doing my, my, my essays in... Um, in Harborn Library, um, and uh, we're also going to be talking about audiobooks and, and whether you know whether if you've listened to an audiobook, you can say that you've actually read it. So lots of really interesting stuff. Uh, but before we do that, let's have a little chat and find out what everyone's been doing. Blake, how is your? Is it summer? When's the last time? It's been a while. It has been a while. I noticed when you said month our monthly book look at the book world. I thought that was slightly optimistic. Yes, we anyway, have had, we've bi monthly every now and again when we can feel like it. <laughs> But we're back, we're back, we're, we're back. good, and we're firing on all cylinders. Yeah, okay. uh, what have I been doing? Uh, reading yes. a lot, and um, also um, we put on an event here at uh, Brum Radio, uh, a fiction event, uh, Wordplay Live, very proud of that. We had a full house here at the Warehouse Cafe, and the novelist Alison Jean Lester, we had a live performance uh, with a band of one of her stories, and we also had um, Darren Canan's poems and music as well, and... Uh, much fun was had by all. Was it a little bit like dum dum dum? Someone says something no, like it, this. It wasn't. Dum, dum, dum. It wasn't. It wasn't. A, it wasn't a beat. Yeah, yeah. Are you Ooh, sure? No, it was no. The the story that Alison wrote was about uh, um, a band about someone falling in love with a backing singer and writing her a song in an attempt to woo her. Uh, and so we have him writing the song and explaining why. And then the band performed said song at the end, and it was fantastic. 
which which reminds me. You know the story about Spandau Ballet and um, Claire Grogan? Yeah, they wrote, tr- not true. Was it true? Yeah, it was yeah, true. It was yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, um, Tony, was it Tony Hadley? Tony, uh, no, 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 no. The other one. Gary Kemp. Gary oh, Kemp. For those who don't know <laughs> the story. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Gary Kemp wrote true for Claire Grogan. Yeah. How insane is that? So he was, he was like a few years older than her. Absolutely. So this was the height of their fame. Um, altered images were starting off, but, but were well known. He was absolutely in love with um, Claire Grogan and wrote her this song. Uh, but she had a boyfriend and wasn't interested. <laughs> Why do you mean it? So it wasn't that he was going out with her? It no, no, just, no, no, no. He just... He's just stalking. Yeah. Oh. No, yeah. I think that's an amazing story. Yeah, it is. It kind of almost softens me towards Fandau Ballet, but not quite. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is good... Good trivia. Yeah, well, it, it did How make did me we wonder. Get that? Well, we were talking about oh, people song, writing yes. things, um, but I think so. Catherine, when you wrote your debut novel, um, who was that for? <laughs> it was for Tony Hadley. He's claxing. So, what have you been up to, Catherine? Um, well, similarly, I've been reading quite a bit. You get a bit more time over the summer, I guess, on holidays and so on. And I've been, uh, I've been writing. Funnily enough, I've been writing about procrastination, which kind of reaches almost hallucinatory levels of <laughs> procrastination. While I was doing it, um, it's very meta. It was very meta. In fact, I got a bit lost in it. It was just an essay about sort of how I would rather sweep the floor than actually do writing. Is it again. finished? It's finished. It's well actually done. Some... Round of applause. <laughs> no, that's that's not well done. That's a sign that she's not taking it seriously. <laughs> yeah. I sent it in on deadline. So I've been doing that. And who is um, that for? Sorry. Uh, for the Royal Literary Fund um, magazine that will be I don't know it will come out at some point I guess podcast okay. magazine I'm not sure. It's very confusing these days, isn't it, with magazines and, you know... Is it a podcast? Is it a magazine? Is it 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 some sort of hybrid of... Well, that is an interesting debate, isn't it? We're going to have that later on. If you are a listener who is um, interested in... Are you a listener of audiobooks or a reader? Do you think there is a difference? Do tweet us about that, at at, uh, brumradio underscore books. And uh, for me, uh, my summer, like you say, um, I take the summer off, uh, he says casually, I tell you, I'm spend it in the south of France. Um, but no, I, I, I did stop writing so that I can read. And so I read a ton of books, um, none of which I can remember offhand. Mm-hmm. But yes, um, in case you're wondering, I am continuing to read um, thrillers that I hate. The um, thriller. Oh, the disappointing thriller. That's it. That's yeah. it. yeah, that's probably a little bit that's snappy. That's the genre. The genre um, my dad spent you. his whole life eating Eccles cakes in a quest for the perfect <laughs> Eccles cake. And did he, he find finally, one? Uh, he didn't, but I think he enjoyed the journey. Um, so let's, let's say that's Marks what you're doing. Marks and Spencer do a cracking Eccles cake, actually. They're probably the best one that I've had. But um... OK, well, I'll get a Ouija board out and ask him. <laughs> <laughs> OK. Um, uh, and the, also... the Eccles cake eating and my father's death are unrelated. <laughs> right, OK. Yeah. Um, or are they? Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, as well as reading, um, I have been um, just about to... So, I've finished um, my next book, uh, uh, which will be coming out next summer. And um, Oh, Catherine, what's happening with your children's book, by the way? Again, still next summer, I think. Next summer. Summer or autumn. Right, OK. OK, Yeah. Uh, So, uh, book finished, um, planning a new book, and... um, I am currently reading. I'll, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll save that for the end we'll, and we'll talk about what we're reading. So, yeah, just and usual bookish stuff. Mike is far yeah, yeah. too um, modest to mention this, but I think it is time to bring in the National Book Awards and your 
nomination, Mr. Gary. Yes, yes, yes. I am Very up. Uh, so, um, as many of you will know, uh, although if you if you don't know, I'll, I'll tell you again. Um, <laughs> I was shortlisted for the uh, Zoe Book uh, Club, Zoe Balls Book Club. Um, she had a book club over the over the summer on her TV show. Uh, selected ten books, and so I was one of the ten books that was. Um, on the show, and uh, they made a little film, and it was very nice, and it was lovely, and it's it, it's brought um, a lot of new readers to my my work. Um, and so Zoe is going to be um, Zoe. I'll just call her. Yeah, know, Zoe. My showbiz pals. Yeah. Um, Zoe is um, ballsy, as you call her. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not to her face. <laughs> um, so uh, Zoe is uh, going to be presenting the. Uh, we call them the, the, the British Book Awards, the National Book Awards. It's really confusing because there are loads of awards that are really, really similar. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the, it's the, the Nibbies, so it's the National Book Awards. Yeah, um, yeah. it is, isn't it? Yeah. I'll double check that. Right, um, so it's the National Book Awards and uh, Zoe's going to be um, hosting that and as, as part of that she's going to be uh, talking about, as well as talking about um, lots of other things, she's going to be talking about the reader's choice for that so uh, I'm up against the likes of Eleanor Oliphant and um, Adam Kay's book um, whatever it was called This is Going to Hurt This is Going to Hurt as well um, and some other and Rowan Coleman's book um, so there's lots of things but you know it's just nice to be nominated nice to get out to the party um, yes yep so I've got to pick up a suit and uh, yeah I'll be going down to that there London and uh, trying to yes there, I'm sure there will be and there's an, there's an after party as well so uh, I'll be I'll be there schmoozing with the great and the good and bringing only so I can bring you all the gossip um, next time so um, yeah so uh, we, we've that's our, our introductions out of the way and we're all we're all happy vaguely I mean Bade, is Blake's nodding are you happy I'm very happy yeah yeah no, that's good so tell us uh, Kath is there anything what local things are going on this month uh, book wise yeah, a little bit of information about things going on at Waterstones. We don't have Stuart from Waterstones with us uh, at the moment, sadly. So um, I'm stepping into his bearded shoes. <laughs> I don't think you can, but okay. it's a lovely metaphor. He would have them if you could. <laughs> if you could. Um, okay, so there's lots of lots of fun things coming up. It's sort of I think I think bookshops really, you know, this is the season where they really. Um, pull out all the stops for their kind of uh, events, don't they? Because, you know, autumn, winter, it's when you want to be... Well, I think, and also think that they have to pull their horns in in December because the shop's so busy yeah. with shoppers, yeah. so they Pull their horns in. Yes, uh, again, we're terrible with metaphors on this show. That is a very, very widely used... Idiom. A widely used metaphor that, that two thirds of us have never heard of. Okay, audience, help me out on this one. Pull your horns in. Very well. Pull your horns. Is this a Derbyshire thing? No, it's, it's, it's just, just in case you didn't realise, Blake is from, despite his accent, is from Derbyshire. And, um, it's a well known English language phrase, widely used. Yes. Um, I'm going to look it up now. Carry on, Catherine. Apologies. Um, so, for example, we have. On, um, something that I think sounds quite fun actually on 17th November this is something I didn't know they did they do a middle grade book club which I think is cool for mm. like kids 8 plus you can go along and talk about the latest books for that um, so author wise they've can got can you imagine how brutal that would be oh, God, didn't like yeah. it didn't finish yeah. it hated it I bet authors don't go along it would be <laughs> terrifying <laughs> couldn't imagine, it yeah. well, I t- did I tell you I went to um, 
the, a Booker Prize event once, and a, a, a novelist who who shall remain nameless was being very. Um, Again, there's a lot of name dropping going on in this show. <laughs> no, I was just, I was in the audience. <laughs> I was just there at the Booker Prize winning thing. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I, was, I was in the audience. Yeah, I think that's right. a fairly legitimate thing. But this this novelist was was talking about his piece. Very very, you know, it's it's a very important piece of work. And there was uh, some some teenager in the audience just put their hand up and just said, "What's your book for?" Uh, and he was like, well, I think it's about a, I think it's about a, no, 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 no. I don't understand your long words. What is it for? Uh, and he was struggling. I thought it was brilliant. He just, she managed to cut through. She was definitely placed there by one of the other authors, <laughs> wasn't she? To be honest, I, I'm not sure I could answer that. Well, it's, it's no. a difficult yeah. question. What is your book for? It's for people to read. Yeah. yeah. That's a damn question. I know, yeah. but, but, but he, you know. Stumped him. Yeah. Well, probably because he was trying to give it a bit more credence than it, it deserves. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. no. But that. But uh, yeah. I think. That's sometimes. Rubbish. Sometimes you got. Question. Sometimes you have to call out the rubbish question. Yeah. Don't you just yeah. say yeah. rubbish. Move on. <laughs> Next. That makes no sense, Walker. <laughs> Carry on. Um, so we've got an evening with Eunice Olamide on the twenty second of November. So that's. Uh, so if, if you're interested in the fashion industry, that's a great thing to go along to. I'm, I'm not actually, but I'm sure it'd be a good but event. You're very I'm, I'm terribly fashionable, Mike. Yeah, Thank yeah. you for uh, pointing that out. Um, and then also YouTuber Amelia Mandeville Ooh. will be talking about her debut novel on Wednesday, the 21st of November. YouTubers who YouTube. write novels. Has she actually written this novel, or has it has it been ghosted? Who knows? Who oh knows? man, we, we could do a whole thing about how I feel about YouTubers, first yeah. of all. Yeah. And then YouTubers who write... Not, you know what? <laughs> Come on, Mike. Launch <laughs> well, in. It's just... Right, OK, so you're a YouTuber. That's mm. fine. Right, I get it. You've got your place. But the fact that you're writing novels means that you can't monetize YouTube or you haven't managed to monetize your YouTubing sufficiently. So you want a new income stream and so you decided to write a novel. Yeah. I, think, I think what you've done there, Mike, is you've mistaken the idea that income streams can be sufficient and that there is a there is an optimal amount and if you can get an additional load of money for selling a book to a bunch of teenagers that people would go no, no my no. income stream is sufficient, <laughs> it's sufficient. I don't no, think. no 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 it, it no it's just the cynicism behind it, it it's it's like it's not like you're I've got a dying desire to, uh, you know, it's just cashing in. Well, I'm it's not just gonna... it, cashing in in any, and cashing in in any form is just this a is, little bit. This can is I... a hill I'm going to die no, you on. You don't but... have to ask your permission, Catherine. But, well, I, was, I just wanted to, you know, permission to light the blue touch paper here. Imagine, Mike, imagine world which a vlogger then turns to be a poet. Oh, man. <laughs> Do you know what? Man, oh, Mike will fall down a rage hole there and never come out. I just, I mean, how do you feel about it, Catherine? About YouTubers I, writing I mean, novels? I think or I've... even not writing, because most of them don't. So, so the couple of big ones that have written novels have been ghosted. Absolutely 100% ghosted. I feel about it the way I feel about so much of, of life, just mild despair, really. You know, it's like the whole publishing industry is pretty much overrun with people doing it as a second income yes, stream, exactly, as you say. Yeah. You know, so it's kind of just par for the course. Why wouldn't they? You know, everyone is writing, churning out books of one sort or another to uh, get on the Smiths uh, Christmas chart. And it's just, um, yeah, mildly depressing. Yeah, it's not, it's not, I've got, I haven't got any... I'm not against anybody anywhere writing a novel. What mm. I'm against is people who don't really want to write novels. No, yeah. Using their fame and celebrity to um, just get money out of the, the public if and you... churning out something that is that you know 
hasn't really got their authorial voice on it. I will try and find for um, for listeners, um, and I'll put it on Twitter, an amazing review of Steve Bruce, the, the footballer come football manager, wrote a series of football-based crime novels um, that are that um, is an absolutely that amazing is be Catherine's should, Christmas yeah. present. Can we, um, Let's should get we those not in. feature those on the show? Oh, the Brumbrook yeah. show, the, he's a Brum footballer. You've we should. got to see these reviews. Absolutely. Apparently he's just obsessed with his car, so he's constantly <laughs> going about how many like, cylinders it's got in the fuel consumption it sounds like an amazing thing and um, oh yeah. we've got to review that i think we've show. got to yeah have yeah. a little chat about yeah. those they're yeah. called like striker and sweeper <laughs> and goldie and, and yeah, have, have a read of those so Excellent. Uh, thank you uh, other things to, to look out for in the city um my close personal friend Alison Jean Lester is doing a short uh, one-day short course of improvisation for writers on the 1st of December. And there's also a, a, a course in January on January the 16th, uh, which is a short course, Creative Writing for Personal Development, which is another interesting area which we could go into, but we probably shouldn't uh, for time-wise and also for Mark's, Mike's rage, which is, you know, writing not necessarily for publication, just for... The sheer joy of it. Yes. Yeah. We don't, we don't mind big, that, do I'm we? I'm a big yeah. fan of that. Okay, um, good. Just, <laughs> just, just not for YouTubers. There's also, and, and then if you, are, if, you're, if you do not have a YouTube following, there's also a course um, that Writing West Millions are producing in on the 2nd of February on an introduction to self-publishing. And again, self-publishing is something lots of people have an opinion on, but it is a different area than perhaps it used to be. Oh, yeah, um, absolutely. And uh, I know people who've had quite a lot of success uh, on that route. I think um, wasn't Fifty Shades of Grey originally self-published? Probably. It's like one of those things that... There's all kinds of things that used to be considered slightly shameful and embarrassing that are now completely acceptable. Mm. That's a really profound thought from me. <laughs> What do you want to tell us, Catherine, about your personal life? <laughs> I'm just building up to a little announcement I might be making later in the show. <laughs> All kinds of things. Uh, and finally, we, we were talking about the National um, the National Book Awards. Or the, the, yeah, the National Book Awards oh for gosh. newbies. That is the name um, of them, yeah. And um, they, they're going to announce, obviously, the, the, the winners for different categories. So for popular fiction... Um, they're going to be announced, I think, uh, next, next, Tuesday. Next, next Tuesday. Next Tuesday. So for yeah. popular fiction, um, there is uh, shortlisted uh, Jane uh, Fallon and Faking Friends as Stephen Fry, Mythos, Robert Harris, Munich, um, Eleanor Oliphant, know, which has been a huge seller, uh, Marion Keys, The Break, jo- Jojo Moy, Still Me, um, Graham Norton, a keeper, and uh, Sarah Perry's Malmoth. Mm-hmm. Do any of you two want to... Uh, like to hazard which one will will win? Well, as you say, Oliphant has been a uh, big success, yeah. but I don't know. I She's don't know. also shortlisted for debut author of the year as well. I think she'll so. win something. Yeah. Doesn't Robert Harris bring out a book called Munich fairly regularly? I feel like he's. Yeah, I but, like but, Robert yes. Harris. I don't want to diss him in any way, but just, I just feel like I've read a book by him called Munich before. I'm sure. I'm also slightly surprised that that um, Stephen Fry is listed in fiction because this is a book of retelling of Greek myths. Yeah, so it's. You know, it's, it's, I suppose they are. You know, obviously, it's they are myths. They are myths, but yeah. he's but he's retelling them. Mm. Yeah, he's so not made them up. No, no, but it's not non-fiction either, is it? Yeah, don't get on the wrong side no. of Stephen Fry. Oh uh, yes, exactly. Okay, Stephen Fry fans, please write in. Write in. Uh, crime I'm, thrillers. I've read a lot of those actually. Uh, we got the snap. He said, she said. Val McDermott, um, Robert Galbraith, Chalkman, Ian Rankin, and he said. Oh yeah, back to he said, mm. she said. Um, my money would be on he said she said 
um, by Erin Kelly. I'm currently reading. Um, oh, I'll talk about that. But um, <laughs> you're really, you're really keen to save this no, book you're reading. No, I'm not going to save it. All right, I'm reading currently reading Erin Kelly's latest, and it is a corker. Oh, okay. So um, yeah, so my money will be on who's a huge seller. Uh, how about you, Blake? I know you like your. I've read um, the Chalkman, um, CL CJ Tudor's Chalkman, and, and that would get my. Uh, I think the reason it might fail, not fail, but I think the reason it may uh, be f- regarded as, as not a winner is just it's it's very much a kind of uh, Stephen King, um, almost homage. Um, so it's, it sticks quite close to Stephen King, but it's brilliant, really good. Okay. Um, really kind of chilling um, and, and creepy, but a great kind of evocation of childhood as well uh in a small english town and then shortlisted for the children's award um there's david Badil's um head kid uh, the squirrels who squabbled, squabbled stories for boys who dare to be different uh spoonful of murder robin stevens and page and co by anna james any of those uh, ring a bell no no <laughs> my wife actually loves um children's murder mysteries she's a bit mm. of a thing for that there's a spoonful of murder on there I think she's read that one well um, my, my kids um, absolutely love Robin Stevens so um, oh, I'm right. going to go for Robin Stevens in that um, I, I did again name dropping I, I was doing an event um, at Croydon Literary Festival and um, it's just the slightly less glamorous well end I, of, uh, well the people of Croydon were putting on a literary festival and uh, I was invited and just as I was coming out Robin was going in for the next event and um, I, I had a selfie taken with her because, um, you know, it's all very well meeting, um, you know, <laughs> Sam and Rusty and the great yeah. and the good. But, you know, your kids just want to, did you meet Robin Stevens? You don't know her really. <laughs> uh, so I had to take photographic evidence just of, of that fact. So um, there's a lot, um, there's a lot to look forward to. Mm. So... Um, we're going to be talking, we, we said earlier, we're going to be talking about Brexit. Mm, um, so it, it looks like it's happening. Well, well, but the Northern Irish backstop in particular, we're going to be discussing. Well, the backstop to the backstop. Right. Yeah. I think that's, that's, <laughs> well, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? Because at the time of, of we're talking here now, which is what, 20 past 11 on the, uh, what is it, the 13th or the 14th, they're going to be having a meeting about it in at two o'clock today. You know, we, this could be out of date. Yeah. And I think that is... A very interesting point about all of this stuff is, of course, it's you know, can you write a book about something which is, you know, in twenty years' time, this won't be finished. Yeah, you know, this is an ongoing, you know, huge event. Can you write a book about it? Yeah, I, for me, I, I mean, Jonathan Coe wrote about this in the Guardian, didn't he? Mm. About the sort of um, issues there are with writing a book that's incredibly topical. And uh, he talked quite a bit about Gordon Burns' Born Yesterday, a book that Gordon Burns wrote a few years ago where he was treating the news as a source for a novel. Mm. And a book, it's a book I absolutely loved. But for me, it's not an issue. I think, I think it's – I love books to be set now. I think if, you, if an author has one eye on posterity and thinking, oh, this might date or, you know, 50 – that's crap as far as yes. I'm concerned. I think write about the here and now as vividly and as evocatively as you can and that will communicate. It's, it's, it's the quality of the writing that matters, isn't it? Not you know. I think there's a very real egotism with a lot of novelists yeah. wanting to kind of write for posterity. Will yeah. I still be read in 100 years? Mm. And what you've really got to be concerned is will you be read in the next six months? Yeah. Um, yeah. But isn't so, there a danger, though, though, if I look at this and I go, I want to be read in six months... If I start writing a book now, and as you know, you know, as we've learned from you, you guys, I'll, I'll finish it, and then it might still be a further twelve months before it comes out. Yeah. At which point, 
it's utterly, utterly out of date. And the but it's a novel, past- isn't it? It's not. It's not like a newspaper. I think that's okay. Yeah, for I know, a novel. but I just whether or not the audience. If I mean, if I'm reading about Brexit, for example, after two years of of, of it being, you know, shoved down my throat in the news, mm. I feel like I understand it in a way that two years ago I didn't. Um, and if I if I wrote a you know if I, if someone wrote a book two years ago in that milieu, it might be looking at it going, why are they being you know why is this it just because it's all because it will be a novel of its time. Yeah, and, and, you know it, it can't be talking about the future and it can't be talking about anything that hasn't happened. It's talking about how it feels to experience Brexit right now, and that's yeah. what a lot of people want novelists to talk yeah. talk about. You mm. know, what does it feel like to be in England here in 2018? I had to check the year there, but. Um, um, <laughs> Yeah. You know, and, and I think that's all and I think you it's can do. A, what, what else? I but mean, it, if not, you're going to wait until... I'm going to wait until the news stops. There's going to be some yes, point in the future where yeah, we've yeah. reached... It, it's always on... But it always novels, yeah, But our novels, our novels are the right medium for this, is what I mean. It's, obviously, we, you know, comedians are doing it, TV are doing it, you know, other things can happen much... I'm thinking about the turnaround, really, well, this of idea. Course, of, I think novels are absolutely... Because Brexit has already had an effect. Hmm. So whether you're talking about... You know, racism. Whether you're talking yeah. about the, exe- the, the current current acceptable acceptability of racism in certain areas yeah. because they feel fortified by um, the, the Brexit vote, mm. whether we're talking about you know going on um, marches against Brexit and what that feels like to actually have something a sort of a something that you can all rally around that everybody sort of agrees is a bad idea. Yeah. You know, what what it feels like, as I said, what it feels like to be alive and kicking in... in um... I mean, how, how could... 2018. 2018. I mean, how could you not, really? I suppose that's the bigger question. Mm-hmm. How could you write a contemporary British novel that doesn't sort of have quite a bit about Brexit in it? Because it's just, you know, colouring the reality of every day, isn't it? So I think it would be artificial to think... I won't talk about that because it might date a little. I'll I'll give one other um, kind of devil's advocate question on this as well, though, is, I mean, people talk about the kind of, you know, um, you know, the the writer class and the literati is certainly looking at the the Brexit novels that that I've seen. I'm thinking of, of, I haven't read them all, but Jonathan Coe's recent um, Mm -hmm. Middle England and then there was um, Autumn, uh, Ali Smith. um, is there, a, is there a danger that because writers are perhaps writing from a certain point of view... Um, oops, that's my phone. Apologies, everyone. Um, <laughs> there's probably a tweet coming in. Um, is there a danger that they're not going to be covering off every angle? I don't know. You know, There's a sort of... I'm not quite sure I'm expressing this very well, but a certain sense that we're getting a, a kind of you know middle-class... Um, anti-Brexit view and we're not going to get writing from the same, you know, from the other perspective, perhaps? Well, if anybody wants, no one's stopping anybody from writing any novel anywhere. And, you know, as, as um, you know, as as we find in our papers, you know, there, there is a, a right-wing voice uh, and a pro-Brexit voice. And there's no, yeah. there's no reason why there shouldn't be a right-wing voice in, you know, a pro-Brexit um no, and, that, and that's kind of a separate issue, isn't it? The fact that there's not much representation of working class writers affects books about everything, you know, um, not just exactly, Brexit. Yeah. So it's it's kind of unfair to um, single that out. Blake. One, one, one thing <laughs> I will say is, is um, one of the books I've really enjoyed is Sam Byers' Perfidious Albion uh, around... Who's that by? Uh, it's by Sam Byers, who wrote uh, oh, yes. Idiopathy, yes, which yeah. is a very, very funny book. And this is a very funny book as well. It's, but um, how he handles this is he sets it in the future, post-Brexit, in a kind of slightly very fractured um, 
you know, nation. And, and it's slightly <coughs> surreal. It doesn't really claim to be, um, I don't think, particularly, you know, predictive. But that's how he's covered it off. And it's, it's almost like taking the, the different sides of the argument to their ex- sort of extremes and having these, these slightly, you know, heightened examples. But that's certainly my recommendation. I don't know if, if any of you, have, either of you, have, have had a chance to read Jonathan Coe's latest uh, Not yet. yet, no, definitely on the list. Um, it, has it actually come out, has it been published now? All yeah. oh, right, well, I'm, okay. I'm very You're soon to go down to the shop to yes. get some. It's called Middle England. But I, I, was, I was thinking as you, you were talking about how um, it's a little bit like when kind of Trump came into power, there, were, there was sort of a delay um, in popular culture while writers who were writing yeah. TV shows and, and, you know, were suddenly frantically just so angry that they were just... And then suddenly, three, four months later, you were suddenly just getting all these Trump jokes just appearing yeah. in, you know, crime things and, um, you know, and it, across the board, and it, it's changed the world. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, think it, I think, you know, whether things change or not, I, I think you have to write about the things that you're passionate about, and I think that's yeah. the most important thing. Uh, I st- uh, the um, Sam Bourne is the is the writerly name of uh, I think it's Jonathan Friedland. Oh yes, it is. Yes, yeah. Uh, he wrote that. a novel about Trump. Um, well, uh, about a demagogic uh, U.S. president um, who may or may not share some um, qualities with Trump, and that came out really, really quickly. I think like four months after his election or something. Well, very- I think um, Howard, oh, what's his name? Uh- Jacobson? Yes, I think he's written a, um, a, a Trump novel that um, also came out very quickly mm. as well. Yeah, um, I, I think it was and just think... one of the, those moments where people just wanted to get this stuff down on paper. Yeah, and I think Anthony Cartwright did one on um, Brexit very soon after as well. And I think he would be, you know, I've read, I haven't read that novel, but I read an essay he wrote, I think, in Granta shortly after um, Brexit. And he's, I think, a, a, a brilliant writer to talk about it. Anyway, there you go. So um, if you want to join in with the conversation, please remember you can tweet us at, at brumradio underscore books or you can email us at bookclub at brumradio.com. We've been talking about Brexit. We've been talking about, uh, sorry, Brexit or Brexit. Or Brexit. Or Brexit. Oh, or Brexit. Yeah. Um, and uh, we're going to be talking, um, and we've been talking about uh, the National Book Awards and all sorts of things. Um, but we're now going to pass over to Catherine, who is going to talk to us. Catherine is is a sort of resident thinker. <laughs> oh, good grief! And uh, and this, this is, is a relative um, term. Yeah. She has been. She's composed especially for the show. She's she's composed. Um, what I'd like to call an essay, um, <laughs> which is actually an essay. On <laughs> I'd call it libraries. an essay as well. Yeah. Um, well, I should I should maybe say that this is um, yeah. So the idea I have, what I really want to do is try and visit each of the li- local libraries in Birmingham. I, there's 37 of them. Oh, right. Okay. I've I think in my life I've been to about 10 of them. I'm, I mean, I'm quite a regular li- library user, but you know, with the whole. Uh, situation now with local libraries being closed down and the threats they face. I feel you Birmingham know, Central Library asking, can we donate books to yeah, us yeah, after absolutely. spending sixteen million pounds on a building? Exactly, and so I feel very you know quite elegiac about them and about the role they've played in my life. And I, I love also taking little trips out to different bits of Birmingham I've not visited. So I thought what I might do is each show. I'd go and visit a different branch library and uh, write some stuff about it. It might not be, you know, 
essay in the uh, in the great tradition but uh, some thoughts about it i was wondering whether i wonder whether my my uncle used to um he traveled the world a lot and wherever he went he'd always buy a quarter pound of um licorice all sorts to um assess the cost of living in that country that was his particular <laughs> retail price index uh, and so i was wondering if there was some similar little like not not a, not a test to judge a library but something i could look out for in each library or maybe a couple of little things mm. that that might be quite interesting as just like kind of indicators you know I'm not quite sure why. I've got to. I've got to work on that. Yeah. You know, yeah. six out of ten on the library scale. <laughs> yeah, well, that's it. I don't want it to be a judgment. On yes, them, yeah, just some yeah. sort of observation, like you know, yeah. ah, they had fifteen copies of you know Fifty Shades of Grey or whatever. You know, but I, I don't know. I need to work on that. So that's part of it. It's a bit of a quest and a bit of an essay. Mm. Okay. But anyway, just um, this is what I thought I might do is just read a little bit of an essay I wrote a few months ago about Bloomsbury Library, which is in Neutrals in Birmingham, which is the library I grew up in. No, I didn't grow up in it. <laughs> that would be overstating my fondness. Um, but um, I, I used to attend there quite a lot when I was little. And I'm just going to read a little bit of it because it goes on a bit, this essay, and it's not very interesting listening to people read. Oh, God, I know we're going to talk about audio books. That'll be <laughs> kind of undermined that whole argument already. Anyway, here's, um, here's a little bit about Bloomsbury Library. So Bloomsbury Library interior is my all-time favourite smell. I've tried lots of other Victorian libraries, but none have the blend quite right. It's a very particular distillation of old books, damp anoraks, parquet flooring, wax polish and sunlight. I always liked the children's section. I enjoyed the small, brightly coloured wooden blocks that served as chairs and the lovely hollow noise they made as you pulled them across the parquet floor. I like the books too, even though in my memory most of them featured terrifying woodcut illustrations of way-faced children and malevolent little old men. What I liked best, though, as a young child, in fact, very much the main reason to go to the library in the first place, was all the business with the tickets. I think, on balance, life is significantly better for my children than it was for than it is for me in many ways but a barcoded plastic card will never afford them the joy and deep satisfaction that my eight little chunky cardboard library tickets gave me there are few greater thrills for a child than understanding how something works and the direct exchange of one ticket for one book and vice versa was wonderfully free of mystery and complication added to that was the absolute buzz of seeing and hearing the date stamp do just what it was brought into this world to do it makes me wonder why didn't toy companies make library play sets for children? Why instead were we bombarded year after year with deadly post office sets with their impenetrable mini DVLC forms and turgid bureaucracy? Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, that's great. And there's more to that, is there? There's an, there's an awful lot of it. Yeah, it's quite long. <laughs> oh, right. Is there any way, any way that we can, we can read it? Um, I think uh, if you... Um, if you Google Catherine O'Flynn library tickets, it's online somewhere, I think. I'm not sure it's on some online podcast, mysterious <laughs> magazine type thing. Oh, so, yeah. That was fantastic. Very evocative. It reminded me of my, my local library in where I came from in Derby. And, and I remember the tickets, the little green ones with the corner cut off. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then um, you got a different colour when you got an adult and you're allowed to get adult tickets. Yeah. Except for in the one instance in our school where a book about a... Uh, 
a samurai cowboy um, who who went across the Wild West killing people and, and having relations with lots of ladies um, was accidentally put in the kids section and could be got out and every single kid <laughs> absolutely vividly has been passed look at this talks about look at that yeah still, still reminds me so Similar story, you know, we had blue tickets that were, that were junior uh, yeah. tickets. And so we, um, so I, I was, I was at my local library every single week. And some, uh, some librarians were more stringent than others. So, you know, uh, I, 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 around, around the ages of about 10, 11, I went through a phase of desperately wanting to see X-rated films, but realising that I wasn't old enough to see them. So I managed to get around it by reading the... You remember there was a, the there was a novelisation, so yes. there was a whole thing... With, with colour photos. Um, yeah. Of novelisations of films. And it, it was, again, it was an exploitative thing. Mm. It was just a way of, of kind of churning out money. So an author, and I'm, I'm pretty sure some well-known you think, authors... you think their revenue streams would have been... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> with the movie, wouldn't you? But an, an author would, uh, you know, would be to say, right, OK, you've got six weeks to write... Um, a novelisation of Aliens, yeah. and um, and then suddenly it would be out in the shops just as the, the, the kind of film was there. So I'd read these novelizations, and uh, I remember reading, you know, uh, some of them, and just being sat there just kind of quietly, my mum thinking that I'm sort of doing, you know, he's reading a book, he's got to be a good thing. <laughs> and there's me with like, what? <laughs> oh! Um, and um, so I used to do that really regularly, and I also um, um, used to read uh, footballers' biographies. I had a thing. I used to. I remember. Um, I used to be reading to a Liverpool football club. I remember reading. You know, any time a Liverpool member put out a biography, I would just read yeah. it and just. Yeah. But I hate football now. Um, <laughs> anyway, perhaps the two related. But there, there was just one. There was one woman um, who just wouldn't. You know, she. I'd go up with my books. She'd go, "That's a junior ticket. I can't give you those." <gasps> and I'd be like, "Oh, shame." So. I would I would take my book and I would I would hide it behind the curtains um, right. in the library, and then come back the following week and get it and take it out when she wasn't there. Oh, you guys dub me from getting to my stuff. <laughs> Try that, librarian lady. I'll get my novelizations. Wow. So uh, there's a lovely um, a lovely kind of warm reminiscing glow in the mm. studio. Yeah. We have had a, a tweet in. From uh, Tamworth Book Club, who said that they're loving today. So, especially Catherine's essay. She's put essay in inverted commas. <laughs> <laughs> I think we all would, to be honest. So, yeah. No, I mean, only joking. <laughs> it was fantastic, and yeah, that's really brought brought it home to me. And and, and like you say, I, you know, for for nerdy people, nerdy kids like ourselves, I suspect, mm. who spend a lot of their time in them, I would have I would have loved to have one of those stamps with yeah. a date. Yeah. Yeah. When, uh, when this story came out initially, or story essay, essay obviously to give its correct title, um, someone who read it bought me a proper library date stamp, which was, you know, still, I, I still... And reader, she married him. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. So thank you very much for that, Catherine. And um, uh, next show, um, you're going to be... Do you know which library you're going to go to next? Uh, no, I think I... Live on the edge. Go to what? Have a look and see if anyone let us know uh, any libraries in books as well. Because I know Harborn Library features uh, quite in Jonathan Coe's number eleven, and uh, the Birmingham Central Library in um, uh, Claremorell's When the Floods Came. 
Fantastic. Um, it, you can't get into it. It's so, closed at the time, but um, it, it is referenced. So if you can think of any, any books at all uh, that feature libraries, please let us know at, at Brumradio underscore books. Um, so uh, we're going to be talking about audiobooks now. Now, it, it's funny, audiobooks have just kind of come out of nowhere, yeah. it feels, almost. Um, I suppose because of the internet now and phones. Well, you know, technology. Uh, technology is, yeah. you know, obviously, previously they were on you know, cassettes and everything, but it's this idea now you can get un... un uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Abridged. And so when, when I started out my career... Um, you know, it was always the bridge novels. So, you know, something they could kind of fit onto a maximum of like four CDs. So they take your your novel and they shrink it down to, uh, you know, four hours uh, maximum. They're still enormous, weren't they? They're the size of like an early computer, weren't they? They just have these enormous cases. Well, well, that's if you've got the tapes. Yes, yeah. So, um, well, so they do they did do unabridged ones. So most yeah. most publishers were doing sort of the normal um, abridged ones. Right. But there were some publishers who were doing yeah, um, unabridged ones, ones, and they they would be the yeah. massive ones, and that that would have the whole story. And so now, obviously, you can just shrink that all down, and you just have it on your phone. And so they suddenly become this huge thing. But we've noticed a few debates that have been going on about that. I suppose a really central question: If you've listened to an audio book, can you say that you've read the book? So before we, we kind of get into that debate, we've got an audio book um, that I'm currently listening to. It's the, is it The Seven Lives or The Eight The Lives? Seven Deaths. Seven Deaths. Well, it's interesting. It was published. It's The Seven Deaths of Even Harcaster. I think it was originally published as The Seven and a Half Deaths. Well, it's published in America as The Seven and a Half Deaths. Oh, which yes. is very confusing. Yes. Um, and by Stu Turton. That's right. And uh, we've got five minutes. We're going to play uh, a little snippet of that we're going to play. And then we're going to be talking about audio books. For some sign of life, my gaze roaming the dark windows until I spot a faint light on the first floor. It should be a relief, yet still I hesitate. I have the sense of having stumbled upon something sleeping, that uncertain light, the heartbeat of a creature vast and dangerous and still. Why else would a murderer gift me this compass if not to lead me into the jaws of some greater evil? It's the thought of Anna that drives me to take the first step. She lost her life because of those thirty seconds of indecision, and now I'm faltering again. Swallowing my nerves, I wipe the rain from my eyes and cross the lawn, climbing the crumbling steps to the front door. I hammer it with a child's fury, dashing the last of my strength on the wood. Something terrible happened in that forest, something that can still be punished if I can only rouse the occupants of the house. Unfortunately, I cannot. Despite beating myself limp against the door, nobody comes to answer it. Cupping my hands, I press my nose to the tall windows either side. But the stained so glass... Was the, uh, Stu, that was The Seven Deaths of Even Hardcastle, written mm-hmm. by... Stu Turton. Stu Turton. And um, that's, that was uh, a little snippet to introduce a, a sort of debate, really, about the question, if you've listened to an audio book, can you say that you've really read it? Yes. Blake, where do you stand on this? Yes, you can. Move on. Of course. <laughs> of course. No, I mean, it's, no, in all seriousness, it is, it's, it, I think the, you know, there is a... I was thinking about it the other day, that reading a book 
physical book um, is one of the very few forms, certainly of sort of solitary activity, that hasn't really changed in the last hundred years or so. It would be yeah. the same. You think about, you know, obviously, you know, listen to music, it's the same, but the format that we deliver it is very different. It, the, the format in which I think you consume a book does change the way you perceive it um, because, you know, you're obviously judging it on something else other than performance. I um, uh, have recently been an engineer on producing an audio book. Have you? Um, yes, I have. Um, and um, it's out there and it's getting reviewed. And people review it um, on the book and also the performance. Mm. Um, and sometimes you get quite different perceptions of those two things so people are judging them a different thing so i mean i say yes sort of i think you can say you've read the book because of course you know you have experienced it but it is a different kind of physical experience in the same way that reading it on a kindle is a slightly different physical experience to reading it on a paper book i think i think you're right i I think there there are a couple of things first one is that the reader's voice um you know a really good reader can absolutely make can really transform quite an average novel uh, into something amazing, um, you know, just by just by acting, and you know that's a really that's a really interesting skill to have, and I think it can bring really book bring a book alive. I think on the the kind of counter of that is that sometimes when I've been listening to audiobooks, um, I found a transition from one audiobook to another quite difficult. So you spend you know, 11, 12 hours listening to one person's voice and you, mm. you kind of like it, okay, okay, you can go with that. And then suddenly you're listening to another uh, another person's voice and you go, oh, I don't like this voice at all. Mm. And so I remember recently I read um, one of, um, I was listening to a thriller and it was read by an American voice. And this woman's voice was quite nasally and it really put me off and it, I almost kind of gave up on the book. You know, regardless of the content, yeah. because mm. of this woman's voice, mm. and eventually I kind of got used to it, much like I get used to most things in life. Um, um, but yeah, there is, there is, there can be, you know, kind of plus points and minus points. There is another dimension to the audiobook, which which Mike and I were talking about in particular to this one. This book, The Seven Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle, is a sort of a very twisty Agatha Christie style country house murder mystery, which involves time travel and all sorts of, <laughs> of, of complicated things. Um, I loved it. I read it on, on paper. But um, one of the things I find myself referring to a lot was the cast list at the beginning. There's a dramatic person there that's like a, and a map uh, of this house. And I found myself, in order to work out, to keep on top of who's who, I was referring to that quite a lot. So you don't have that possibility. No, no, and I'm completely confused. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just sitting there thinking, how big is this house? Why, why don't, why don't we understand what everyone else is doing and where are they in relation to everyone else? Mm-hmm. And it does feel like you're, you're in a live, you know, you're listening to a, a live version of Cluedo, and you know, it, it's in a sitting room, it, it's in the library, mm-hmm. it's in a scullery, uh, yeah. with the pipe. Um, yeah, so it, it, it can be difficult to hold, hold all those things in your head anyway um, at one time. But to be honest, I find it difficult to ha- to, to do that anyway. I mean, any time I, I read um, Russian novelists, I always find myself just like any time I see their their name, I just go blah blah, blah in my head. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other thing, I guess, is, me. is is you obviously the big difference as well is you're doing something else potentially. Yes. I mean, do you do you read whilst you're doing other things or, or have it on whilst you're chopping them? I um, I can only I 
I've, I've tried to listen to audiobooks while doing other things, and I find, find it impossible because you do need to concentrate. Mm. And so the, the best place to, to do listen to an audiobook is actually while walking the dog. So I can give it my absolute full attention because it doesn't take very much at all for your mind to wander mm. uh, and then to realise that you haven't been listening to the last you know, you know, minute and a half. Mm. Of it. Yeah, I think that's, that's an issue for me because I... I never ever listen to an audiobook but I find I find listening to any even radio uh, it's fine yeah if I had a yeah. dog I could walk I think that would that would be a good conduit for it but I will start doing something else and then I've missed what they're yeah. saying and I find I've got to concentrate also with an audiobook when you're reading I love the fact that you're in control of the speed like you think oh, right. skim 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 yeah this is a bit boring oh I like this but I'm not going to reread this sentence three mm. times because I love the rest. I kind of I, I feel reluctant to hand that over to someone else well it's, well, it's interesting because again I think there are, there are pros and cons in that because I'm very much like you you know I will go skim 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 yeah right okay yeah yeah I get yeah. what's going on blah 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 yeah. blah 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 but I think I'll lose a lot with that whereas with listening mm. to an audio book I will listen, there's one book in particular I'm thinking of, I know, I can guarantee you that had I tried to read it as a novel, I would have ditched it uh, after two or three chapters. But because I was walking the dog and I was listening to it, it felt like it was just considerably less less effort. And because of that, I got past the sort of difficult first couple of chapters and actually ended up really, really enjoying the book. So I think that's quite an interesting... I've been listening to a lot of uh, audio dramas um, on on podcast, um, and some of those I've been really really enjoying. Um, but there was there's been one that I've uh, a series um, uh, which a, a story is embedded into another um, artifact. So one of them is it's a kind of mystery that unveils unravels through um, audio tapes in the library. Uh, sorry, in a um, art gallery. You know, that are explaining the art. It's really interesting. But there was one that was um, a series of relaxation cassettes and which uh, I kind of stopped. Asleep. I just kept falling asleep, <laughs> literally. Because <laughs> it was like, you know, there's like 15 minutes of this before some sort of more subtle references to the story came in. I was, oh, I've listened to this first episode about five times. I thought, I've not gone past it. So there is a further dimension in this one. So please join in with the debate. We're talking about audiobooks, or have been talking about audiobooks. Mm. You can uh, join us on Twitter uh, at BrumRadio underscore books or uh, email us at bookclub at BrumRadio.com. We want to know what you think of audiobooks. But now for something different, mm. he says. Uh, rather cheesily. Um, Catherine uh, has done, uh, well, I suppose, it, debut. Yeah, yes, debut yeah, novel. Yeah, yeah so debut I'm novel. still doing a debut novel when I, when I get the time. And so uh, this month it was A Place for Us by uh, Fatima Fahin Mirza, who um, Blake, I know, did an event with a couple mm. of months back when she was over because, interestingly, her family, uh, a lot of them in, in Birmingham still, right, she's, yeah. she's based in the US and grew up in the US, but her family are um, Birmingham-based, so there's a bit of a Birmingham link, which is Mm. nice. Um, And I don't know whether it's a blessing or a curse for her, but this book was the first one chosen by Sarah Jessica Parker for her publishing imprint, Mm. which is one of many... Uh, celebrity uh, imprints that we well, get now. Which is an additional revenue stream oh, of some kind. You'd think they'd have enough, wouldn't you? <laughs> um, it's all run and run, sorry. So, um, so, yeah, but I would say do not let that put you off because mm. this is a super book. It's <laughs> like uh, the uh, literary term for it. Um, so it's an intimate portrait of a family 
um, the parents are called Layla and Rafiq, and they are immigrants to the U.S. from India. And so their three children are born and grow up in California. And so I suppose essentially it's a book about love, about the different types of familial love and also about the kind of demands and rewards of community and faith which sounds really really dull actually now I've said that but it's not at all dull. Uh, The focal point is the return of um, the son Amar after an absence of three years for his elder sister Hadia's wedding and from the starting from that starting point the pendulum of the story swings back and forth um, in time pausing on different chapters of the family's life switching point of view between family members, sometimes revisiting the same episode from different characters' point of view. And you sort of learn that Amar has always struggled to fit in with him, uh, struggled to fit in with the demands placed on him by the community and by his faith, or at least his father's interpretation of uh, the Muslim faith. Um, And Rafiq, the father, is very stern and unyielding and has a temper. And Mirza lets us see how... Hadia, Amar and Layla, the children and, and his wife, all perceive this and are shaped by it in different ways. But then the final section of the book is the first time we actually hear Rafiq, this kind of disciplinarian's voice. And it's really, really moving and kind of heartbreaking because you kind of wow. realise he's kind of quite misunderstood. It's very powerful. So, um, in short, I really can't recommend this book enough. It's, I'd say it's the best book I've read in about, you know, in a long time, really. Wow. Um, oh, wow. It's, it's so... Thanks, incredible. Sarah Jessica Parker. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and it's just so great to read a book without a kind of tricksy plot device or a high concept or that kind of unappealingly palpable desire to dazzle and impress. You know, you were just completely transported by by her very, you know clear prose <clears throat> and you want to stay with the family the characters you know she really um you know you really they're, they're all great you know and you just want to stay there it's oh, wow. that you're really sad to finish there's a really i think the standout point for me is there's a really really great scene. it's quite funny as well lots of it is very funny where amar as a young kid i think he's about 11 or 12 really wants his pair of super expensive trainers and his dad is like no absolutely not and he just launches this massive campaign to get the <laughs> posters and everything it's really great it's really funny so yeah i'd say go and read it i really love and it and she's very young as well isn't she this, this is right i mean i think she, she wrote it took quite a long while um, but it's um i think she's a really yeah i think you know people i've said i think you know first novel who can say where someone's going but she's such you know she feels such a sure hand you know and you feel so uh comfortable in that environment that you know i'm sure she's going to write amazing things in the future yeah i, I really loved it oh, wow, I fantastic so just to remind people what it's called and who the author so uh it's called a place for us which i've read an interview someone said is that a reference to you know west side story and she said i've never seen west side story <laughs> i've no idea what you're talking about Brilliant. um and it's by uh, fatima fahin mirza so, and it's published by. Do we know who it's published by? Or? Sarah, I think it's. Parker. I think it's called. <laughs> well, I think the imprint is called SG SJP. Is it part of HarperCollins? Um, I, I'm, I I'm, I'm, I don't know. Um, I haven't. But it's yeah. It's and it's a gorgeous looking book as well. It's the sort of thing that you you want to kind of take the cover off and just yeah. sort of stick in a frame. Yeah. But, but, but clearly, I mean, just you know, thinking about Sarah just passing in this thing. Yeah. She's context. She's. Not written a book, but rather she has used her celebrity, presumably been approached by her, saying, come use your celebrity to, well, not in that naked way, but, you know, yeah. you're quite clearly a fan of books. 
yeah. Let's do an imprint, mm. people like you. Yeah. And it's a way of introducing people to novels that they probably wouldn't have. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think, I don't necessarily have a, anything, think there's anything wrong with that. Phew. Um, and, uh, you know, I know, of, you know, there, there are YouTubers, I think, um, I think Duet Smith are using YouTubers to sell books to um, young people. So I think, you know, just like the Richard and Judy list, I think the, the mm -hmm. younger version is a YouTuber and they, they pick a bunch of books. And that's absolutely fine. It's just when they put pen to paper. <laughs> I, think, I think it's absolutely fine if what you're getting is something quite idiosyncratic and personal and interesting yes. and isn't just the celebrity being a mouthpiece for what the publisher would exactly. churn out anyway. Exactly, and yeah. This, I think, you know, credit to a... I don't think it's a particularly obvious book for it to be. Yeah. As I say, it's not some dazzling, sparkling, you know, mm, high I just heels love the idea book. of Sarah Jessica Parker sitting there just going, oh, Catherine's giving me a thumbs up. <laughs> Brum Radio, yes! Get in. Well, if for your next publication, Sarah Jessica Parker, if you want to come in and talk to Brum Radio, you'll be very welcome. Steve Bruce's okay. novels are currently so, looking for... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. They're, they're ripe for a re-production. Uh, re, uh, really? Moving on. Blake, how tall are you? How tall am I? Yes. I'm not entirely sure. Six foot... Two. I actually. Mike, Mike's so tall, he's not even sure how tall he is. I tell you what, <laughs> taller than a red. The reason, I, the reason I say this is that I, I re, uh, start of the year, I got a weight loss app. Um, and it tells you how much you can eat and how much you move and everything. And I didn't realise that I'd put in that I was uh, six foot 11. Um, and so I was oh, like, this is great. I can, I, can tell you, like, I can eat like 5,000 calories a day. And I did this for about uh, <coughs> six weeks <laughs> before I realised, oh, no, actually. I'm so, so, so I'm six foot two. Why, six, why do you ask? You're six foot two? Mm. Right, Catherine, how tall are you? I am five foot five and a half. Right, okay. Well, for saying half, some six foot two uh, and a half. I am, let me think, I am five foot ten inches. What? Ten and a half inches. That shocks me. I would say you're a taller man than that. No, no, no. He has my, an my brother's physical presence. Um, so, uh, why, on a book show, am I asking you mm. how tall you are? It's because um, I came across, while well, we're searching the show, um, someone's done a very lovely chart uh, about about the height of authors. <laughs> Uh, and apparently, so at six foot two, you are, if you were standing, you'd be taller than Victor Nabokov. Mm -hmm. But you would be Nabokov, the same size, get this, you'd be the same size as Jane Smiley and Oscar Wilde. See, Oscar Wilde, I imagine being smaller. Jane Smiley, don't say who's Jane Smiley. She's a good American realist novelist. I think she's very tall. She's very tall. Yeah, yeah. she is as tall as she's tall as Blake. Yeah. Well, in all, in all, um, you know, in in all seriousness, um, being tall does afford you advantages. You know, they do note they do note that you know lots of politicians are very very tall, and people do, you know, uh, respect your opinions much more if you're tall. Apparently, I think he's trying to try. I think you want us to it believe work that. on the radio. Does it? So, Catherine, you. Okay. Okay, so how tall are you? Uh, five, five, five and a half. We can round it up to five, five, six. So you are taller than Anne Rice and Truman Capote. In your... Oh, well, Truman Capote was a dwarf, wasn't he? He was tiny. <laughs> <laughs> he was a very small man, wasn't but, he? But uh, you're five, five, did you say? Yeah, and a half. And you're, you're also taller than Dorothy Parker, so um, ah. you can talk down to her. Yeah. You are the same size... Oh, this is going to be exciting. William Faulkner. Five foot five. Oh, you know, I always felt an affinity with him. No, well, I, I, was, I see a lot of parallels. <laughs> apparently, he was rejected from the US Army for being too short and had to resort to Canada. What he wanted to fight. Oh, gosh. Um, and, and you're also the same size as H.G. Wells. Right. You can yeah. look him in the eyes. Yeah. Um, but. I have to dig him up first. But yeah. <laughs> you'd have to look up to 
James, um, James Baldwin and Martin Amos, who are fight, who are an inch taller than you. Martin Amos, yes. notoriously shorty. Martin Amos is yeah. taller than me. That's, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a little bit. Oh, um, so uh, and then me, uh, I am taller than. Are oh. you enjoying this, listeners? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I'm taller than we'll Sylvia Plath. We'll about it, so somebody is. Sorry, uh, I'm taller than Sylvia Plath, who's five foot nine. Oh, that's right. Um, so she didn't have enough to contend with. <laughs> <laughs> Taunt her about her height, why don't you? <laughs> um, I am the same size as Emma Straub. I've never read any Emma Straub, have you? No, not me. Sorry. Um, but I, I, um, she I'm, certainly writes like a very tall... Uh, <laughs> I'm an inch, half an inch shorter than Victor Nabokov. Vladimir um, Nabokov, for Christ's sake. Um, let's but, in, let's, it is oh, guess this, right? I'd have to look up to Maya Angelou, who's six foot tall. I knew she was tall, yeah. So who's the, uh, who's the tallest who's noted the tallest? writer? Do you have that okay, on your list? All right. Get this. Um, you know, Michael Crichton's very tall, isn't he? Yeah, Michael Crichton is uh, six foot nine inches tall. No. Uh, no. Someone's put here taller than some dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've met even me. <laughs> I've met. Do you think maybe that's why you wrote Jurassic Park to make a point about that? <laughs> I met, um, uh, you know, if we're talking name dropping, Lee Child, who's a very, very tall novelist, and uh, I thought it, one of his character, Jack Reacher, is. Is, is supposed to be six foot six or something, really, really big. Yeah. And he goes around America and he just goes into charity. You know, his thing is he doesn't take anything with him. He, he drops right. everything. So he goes into charity shops um, when his clothes are dirty, gets some new ones and gives them back his old ones. And, and that's how he lives. Oh. And I thought, you know, of all of these novels, you know, that are very successful, I thought, I've, I've got, I've damaged this because I know as a taller gentleman how hard it is to get clothes in a charity shop. Yeah. So yeah. I said, Jack Ricci wouldn't be able to do this. And I thought, you know, Lee Child was going to crumble. <laughs> and he just went, <laughs> he just totally seriously said, a lot of people say that. That is, un- that is not the case. There are lots of, lots of places in America where you can get them. <laughs> and I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> I don't know why I was... Why you, we, you caught our yeah. I was like, I was like the, realism, the realism of this international uh, James Bond type hero has been shattered by that. Oh, so it looks like we've we come to the end of the show. Oh, that's uh, it. Um, before we uh, finish off, um, I want to know what everybody is reading. Like, tell us what you're reading. Um, I've um, I've just finished reading a book called The Killer You Know, which is a sort of murder mystery. But it, what was interesting in there is as a local writer, S. R. Masters. It's set in um, a small fictional village near Hampton in Arden, uh, oh, here in Birmingham, yes. and it's about a bunch of teenagers who um, who grow up in this small village and who kind of fantasise about the bright lights of Birmingham. And they go to Birmingham Library as a kind of, uh, you know, fantastical, mysterious place that they get to go to. And a lot of fun. I don't think it is uh, yet released, um, but um, I I did enjoy it. And um, it was, um, yeah, good, good fun. How about you, Catherine? Um, I've just read um, Anita Bruckner's book, The Latecomers, which I have to give props to uh, uh, another book podcast for come across us uh, the Mar- there marvelous, are no other book the podcasts. marvelous um, backlisted uh, podcast which um, you know sort of picks up on books that maybe have got a little bit overlooked mm, and, yeah. and in all honesty I've never read any Anita Bruckner and uh, they spoke about this book so uh, so movingly I thought I'd, uh, I'd read it and I did I loved it it's kind of about um, two guys who came over to England on the kinder transport um, and it's just about their lives here their families their business nothing remarkable but very moving and very powerful what about you Mike um, I'm listening I'm listening I'm not listening I'm um, 
I'm reading Stone Mothers by Erin Kelly. Um, uh, Erin Kelly of He Said, She Said fame. It's not out until April uh, next year. I am halfway through and I am loving it. And it's got this very striking proof. It's all black and mm. it's very sexy. And I'm, I, I can imagine the marketing meetings about that. Um, I'm also, uh, and then next up on my reading list is Days of Wonder um, by Keith Stewart. Um, he's the author um, of a book that was huge a couple of years ago called uh, A Boy Made of Blocks, um, which I know a lot of people um, read, which is about a boy with autism. And... Um, so I'm looking forward to getting stuck into that. So you've been listening to the all-new, all-dancing, new-look Brum Radio book show. Um, please tell us what you think of it. Give it a thumbs up. Was it a thumbs down? Do you want more of Kathleen's essays? <laughs> Would you like less? Um, would you want more of... Uh, put Kathleen's essays in inverted commas, according <laughs> yeah, to Tamworth Book really Club. Quite um, problematic and if you me. are listening to us on the podcast, in all seriousness, do rate us um, if yes. you can, because it helps our search engine things, uh, yep. apparently, as well. So more easy for people to find us. So please do. Please let us know which uh, libraries you'd like Catherine to visit next. Yeah, give me um, some things it, to look out for in mm. libraries. Uh, yes, we also need a way of judging libraries. Uh, tell us what you think about the, any of the debates that uh, you've enjoyed. We want to know your opinions. Um, next show will be next month, and yeah. we'll have lots of more bookish news. Oh, and I'll be able to give you the uh, lowdown on what happened at the National Book Awards. Ooh. We've been the Brum Radio Book Show. You've been a great audience. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to this Brum Radio podcast. If you've enjoyed it, please consider joining our listener supporters. You can do this by clicking the support tab on our website or go direct to Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash Brum Radio. Brum Radio shows are streamed online at the Brum Radio Mixcloud page and you can find more podcasts at brumradio.com.